Welcome to the One New Man Network from Kirtlandry Ministries at House of David, where we learn about the Jewish roots of the Christian faith. The following is a replay of a previous service. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's give the worship team a big hand clap tonight. Thank you, Megan. So powerful. Hallelujah. It is good to be in the house of God. How many uh, heard that sonic boom from the meteor? I think it was about a little after 5 o'clock, 5.10 yesterday afternoon, and I was sitting out of my office at the, at the house, and I mean, it literally felt like someone had driven a truck into the side of my office. It was just boom, that it shook, the, shook everything. And uh, I looked down into the pool because I thought, well, if it was an earthquake, you know, when earthquakes hit, the, the, the pool will roll, water will roll. And uh, didn't move at all. And I thought, what the heck was that? And then I thought about in Camden, Arkansas, uh, just outside of El Dorado, they had a fertilizer uh, truck blow up. And I thought, well, maybe it was that. But who would have ever guessed that it was a meteor? And especially coming into this region of the country at this time of the year, I have to think that God's trying to say something. I don't know what he's saying, but I'm listening. Amen. Amen. This Passover, this biblical Passover for us is Passover 5779. And it's our tradition to always do preparation teaching before Passover so that when we sit down that we can benefit spiritually and prophetically from what God is doing. Uh, This will be part three of the teaching. You can go online and you can watch the other two parts. I would recommend watching all of them. And this one is called Learning to Reign as Kings and Priests. I think this is going to be one of the bigger adjustments because I think most people assume that we know what this means, but uh, I can tell you that I've, I've had a lot of good things reported when I spoke the word that did not make it to the air until afterwards about the key to activation of kings and priests is immersion. And uh, I've since shared it on the phone uh, with people like Robert Henderson and different ones, and they all believe that this is the Lord, and we're on to the cutting edge of something. So the immersion, now you have to be registered for Passover on the 19th for the immersion on the 20th, and you have to be registered for the 26th for the immersion on the 27th. So please do not be difficult and show up, and, and uh, we have to be able to do this because... Um, we have to have cutoff points because it's just, when, we, when you're doing five and 600 people in an immersion at once, it's a lot of work, and it needs to remain organized and decently in order with the Lord. Amen? So please honor that request. We will have another immersion 50 days later from the 19th at uh, the Feast of Shavuot, Pentecost. We're going to have a, another immersion. In fact, we're bringing in Pastor Todd Smith. You've probably seen him if you watch It's Supernatural with Sid Roth. There is a revival in Georgia, and uh, it has started with immersion. And uh, so we're bringing that pastor and his wife, Karen. They're coming to be with us at Shavuot, and we're coming to bring the double portion Jew and Gentile immersion together. 
And uh, uh, Sid asked me to meet this gentleman, and when he asked me to do something, he hasn't been wrong in 25 years. And so I just, when he, when, uh, he speaks stuff like that, I really listen. So if you want, you can register for that immersion and, uh, and, and be there for that. Um, to understand where I'm coming from with this word, the Lord had me prophesy in Taiwan here recently um, that the reason, and this is thus saith the Lord, okay? So thus saith the Lord, the reason that we have not seen the transfer of wealth at the level that has been prophesied is because we have not activated and understood the relationship between kings and priests in the fivefold ministry. And in one meeting when I was there at Bread of Life Church, 2,000 people in Taiwan, Taipei, uh, the Lord had me illustrate it. And the way I illustrate it was, is I had seven apostolic leaders from all the seven mountains of influence come up and basically create a menorah. So I had the media mountain, the education mountain, we had the religious mountain, the business mountain, and, and we had them all, the government mountain. All of them were up, standing up like a menorah, seven across. And then I had Elder Andrew Chang, who was the elder there, and he was the servant candle, so he stood up in, in the center. And, um, uh, and then I, I had the scripture, and, and, and I was sharing with them that I had prophesied years ago while I was in um, Indonesia with uh, Dr. Nico and his church. Christy and I came into a meeting, and we had travel challenges, and we came in a day and a half late. And um, uh, so it looked like it was going to be bad. On the morning session that I was supposed to get up and prophesy over their leaders, uh, one of their prophets took my place because we were still traveling in from the airport and uh, the, um, the scripture the Lord gave him was um, uh, who are these two olive branches or who are these two olive trees beside the great menorah and, and, and so their prophet had that word and he got up and prophesied it and then Dr. Nico asked him he said well what does it mean and he says I don't know and so it was interesting that that was the end of that service, and they prayed, and they talked to, anointed. That. They have like 3,000 pastors there, and they're praying. And so then here we come in late, and so immediately when we get there, they give me the mic, and, and, and they say, well, just go ahead, and we're, this is the prophetic part. You missed the other day of the protocol, so now just go up and prophesy. And the Lord gave me that same chapter and verse. But the difference, the difference was the word that the Lord gave me was, you know this verse, but you don't know what it means. <laughs> Literally, that's what happened. And so I explained it to him that what, what it means is that when Jew and Gentile come together on either side of the, of the seven mountains of influence, that's a time for the transfer of wealth. But that's also a time when the fivefold ministry needs to understand how to interact with kings and priests under an apostolic fivefold relationship, which doesn't work now. Because when you see really successful kings and priests in the marketplace, most of them don't go to church. Most of them don't. Now, I know there's some, please. 
but most of them don't know how to operate, and most apostolic ministries don't know how to operate with billionaires and millionaires. So there's something that needs to, to happen. So this was the word, and the Lord gave me this word to say that the Lord is going to give us downloads on how to be able to heal that relationship. Well, the first thing that needs to happen is that the fivefold ministry needs to understand the calling of kings and priests, and kings and priests need to feel safe in an apostolic government and not limiting them from what they're called to do. There needs to be a general uh, teamwork that we're stronger together than apart, and we are if we understand how to activate and work together. So the, the, the word the Lord gave me that fried up all the electronics here was that water immersion is the key to activating priests. And what happens is we have replaced immersion in our Bibles with the word baptism. And a baptism generally is understood as once into salvation for the remission of sins, which it is. But baptism is, is not, is in the Hebrew, it's not baptism, it's immersion. And immersion is when you immerse forward once into baptism, into salvation, but you immerse forward into your priesthood. So I shared a little bit about the history of, well, where did water immersion start? And it started with uh, Adam and Eve. And after they fell, when Adam went to restore himself, he went, they were cast out of the garden. You know the story. And there was a stream coming out of the garden. He found that stream and he immersed himself into the stream. He sat to shuva in the water. Uh, this is according to the, the, the Mishnah. And uh, so they sat, they sat in the immersion. And uh, he was repenting to the Lord, trying to restore himself back to his former self and his former authority. And uh, so that was actually the very first immersion. And then when you go into the, uh, the, uh, with Aaron and the priesthood of, of Levites and the Kohen, they all immersed into their calling. And so then when you see Jesus, he comes along and uh, he's with his cousin who would have been called Yochanan the Immerser. He had his name literally changed. His father's name was Zacharias. He was part of the Levitical Kohen priesthood. And uh, during his time of actually having his time in, the, in that priesthood is when God chose, uh, I believe it would have been at the time of Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, and the Lord spoke to him saying, don't worry, you, you will not go. Uh, and now he was considered righteous even though he and Elizabeth had not had a child. But the Lord spoke to him that he was going to send him a child. And, uh, and, and, the t and the child's name would be John, which is very unculturally correct. In the priesthood, they pass the name of the father to the son, particularly to the firstborn. That's a whole nother teaching and the importance of that. So, so don't be too hard on him when it's like, wait a minute, this isn't how we do it. But the reason the Lord spoke to him about having the son having a different name is because he was going to be the firstborn of in a spirit of Elijah to be able to start to speak out about a new priesthood that would be coming that would be birthed through Yeshua, which would be a resurrected uh, priesthood according to Melchizedek, which actually never died, but 
was asleep, and now this was the revival of that priesthood. So now you have, uh, you have John the Baptist. He goes down to Qumran. He's not in, in with all the religious Pharisees and Sadducees in Jerusalem. He's down in Qumran. He's there. He has a sect and, and where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, and they also find mikvahs, which is an immersion uh, uh, for, for the priest. And so in Qumran, there's also, you can see it to this day, where there's all these immersion pools. And uh, then the Lord speaks to John about going up uh, north of, of Qumran, and he goes up to the Ardenit of the Jordan River, and he, he goes up to the Jordan, the Arden, and uh, we're used to going to the Ardenit, which is in the Galilee. This is about halfway. This is kind of across from Jericho in that area, and that would have been the area where the children of Israel would have come out of the wilderness and passed over on dry ground, okay, and that's where they would have, that's where uh, uh, um, they would have passed over and on that dry ground, and if you remember Joshua and Caleb, they, they put 12 memorial stones honoring all the tribes that they piled up in the river, uh, thanking the Lord for taking them out of the wilderness now into their promised land. Well, the Lord, who is uh, very much into portals and places that are special, the Lord had Yochanan the Immerser immersing people in this very spot that Israel became a nation. Okay? So am I going too fast for you? Some of the family history. But you need to understand this before I go into this message because I'm bridging into it to remember this is, this is what's happening. So now here comes Yeshua, John the Baptist, Yochanan the Immerser. That's his cousin. Remember when they first met? When they first met, uh, obviously Yeshua was in Mary. Uh, womb and and John was in Elizabeth's womb and when they met the Holy Spirit they leaped in each one of their bellies because this was a sign of 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 this is is what's coming and um, uh, so so now here here he comes you know Yochanan the immerser is busy he's over here immersing all these people right he's doing his ministry you know that is busy about ministry and all of a sudden he senses something and he looks up and here comes his cousin Yeshua at 30 years of age can you imagine because he knows who he is and he's going oh my gosh and he says listen wait a minute now I'm paraphrasing because I'm not even worthy to to you know to tie your sandals I mean I, we can't I'm, I'm not I'm not doing this you know, because see, there's a lot of times when we feel like unworthy, and he says, you know, I know, I know who you are, and I'm, I'm not going here, and, and then Yeshua said to him, he says, no, we must do that which fulfills, actually translates out in the Hebrew, fills the law of righteousness, and the law of righteousness that all priests must, must be water immersed, not baptized. Yeshua didn't have to be baptized. He had no sin. But he said, no, I came to fulfill, not change. And I do nothing lest I see my Father in heaven do it. So here he is, God incarnate on earth, and he is immersed into the water. And, you know, you know the story. He goes down, the heavens open, and his Father prophesies, this is, this is the key. This is such the key to ministry. That's the activation point. How do you operate in power if you don't operate in the family's inheritance. See, you'll always be a servant or a slave or an orphan 
if you don't understand that you are a co-heir and you're a son and daughter of the king. You can't operate as king-priest without understanding sonship or daughtership. But sometimes you have to be told. That's the conversation I had this morning, or this, right before service this afternoon with Arabella. I, I said, Saba's got to go, and I'm leaving before Nana. says, where are you going? I said, I'm going to the house of Davis. I have to preach. She, oh. And I said, you know, you're going to preach. She says, I'm going to preach? I said, yeah. And I've told this before. I said, yep. Yeah. I said, girls preach too. She says, I'm going to preach. <laughs> See, you have to be told. The enemy always tries to steal your call with a lie that holds you at a lower spot than operating in the higher level where God wants you. So Yeshua goes down, and when he goes down, technically, he went down to those 12 stones. I'm not saying he's underwater going, no, but he basically blessed them and said that was great, but now there's been a shift. You know, we love this in the, in the prophetic apostolic, which we are all about. You know, we drive stakes in the ground. We have a salt covenant in the pool, and what it's doing is it's calling, causing spiritual shifts, but what it's really doing is going into the courts of heaven on the day it is written and the location that it's written in the courts and going in, and we're not creating anything we're reporting that which is in the books on earth as it is in heaven and then the angels of the Lord hearken or attend to or perform that which is spoken on that day because it's God's work so it still happens today so that's what Yeshua did he started that authority and you know the story he immediately is, is tested by the one who thought he was in control, which technically he was. Satan's in control. Adam and Eve gave up the authority. Satan's got the authority. So immediately now, isn't it interesting? Satan never really attacked Jesus until he was mikvahed. Until he was immersed now it starts. Let's go for it. And what does he do? He takes him to a high place and he says, I'll give you all that I've got. And then Jesus starts quoting scripture to him. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God out of the courts. There's always a test. Amen? Amen. So we're going to talk a little bit about learning how to rule and reign as a king priest. So we'll start tonight because you need repetition. You can, you can hear it and, and understand. So we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. This is the Apostle Paul, Ephesians chapter 4, 13. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you now in the name of Yeshua. I ask that you anoint me to speak, and I ask, Lord, that you anoint us to hear apply and activate your word tonight in Yeshua's name. Amen? In Ephesians 4 and 13 it says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So before we get all caught up 
in every single sign that's happening. This is Gog and Magog. This meteor means he's coming back tomorrow. We are to be ready at all times. But I want you to hear the very practical thing is the Lord, this is the Lord's plan for the current hour. And it is going to get much worse. We're not going to stop the one world government. We're not going to, what we're going to do is we're going to go over the top and prosper in the midst of this. Okay, but, but don't get distracted because it doesn't overall get better. Like, oh, they said we were going to prosper. Yes, we're going to prosper in the midst of the darkness. So this is what the Lord's plan is for kings and priests. You need to be, you know, in any good business, you know, we're business people. In any good business people, you've got to have a solid business plan first before for me, anything that I invest in, if there's not a real solid business plan with all the details there, then you know, I won't even... Listen, if you don't care and you don't write it out to every, every uh, possible deal, if you don't care, why should I invest with you? If you don't care enough to have a business plan, why should I care about your plan? Did you hear that? See, God has a plan for this hour... And you should care about it. God invested his only begotten son, Jesus, and the blood of the lamb. He gave his best to buy you for this, for this hour. You might want to know what he's doing. Instead of trying to figure out how to get out of here, how about get, getting into the kingdom and figure out how to prosper here now? Okay? So it says, until the unity of the faith... So the first thing that the Lord says is we have to get unified in the faith. So I'm going to say it this way because I, I could preach the whole night just on this. You cannot have unity of the faith with a, with a uh, disjointed government. You can't have a fivefold organization not recognizing king's priests. And you can't have king priests saying we can't operate without fivefold ministry. There's going to have to be an understanding and a revelation of fivefold and king priests come together if we're going to unify. And until the leaders unify, what chance does the church have? Am I telling it right? So, so that, now the, the Lord's going to do this. Not my job. My job is to speak what he says, and we're going on about our business. I'm, I'm unifying apostolically with king's priests in our organization, and it's already, we've done it for years, and it works, and I'm not changing because it works. But I've never spoke about it, and the Lord said now to speak about it. But I know how this works. This is, this is our business plan. We, we, we have been following it. And then the key is, until there's a knowledge of the Son, you will not take care of the family business unless you have an inheritance. If you're just a slave or a servant, you, you're not going to be vested in it when it uh, gets rough. And then the perfect man. The perfect man is not just the one new man, but the new man. Past Jew and Gentile. And then fullness of Christ. That means to, to come into the, bless you, that comes into the revelation, fullness of the anointing. Christ, Christos in the Greek, Mashiach in Hebrew, it means the anointed and the anointed one. 
So until we come into the power of the fullness of what that anointing can accomplish, which means it can accomplish all things, until we get in unity and start operating there, I think we're kind of stuck. Well, Rabbi, I'm not, I don't think that's in the Scripture. Well, go to 1 John 3 and 2, and it says, Beloved, now we are sons of God, and this is the King James, and it doeth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, and we shall see him as he is. Well, I don't think we're ready to see him, because we don't have a clue who we are. And I can promise you we don't look anything like him. So I'd say there's a little bit time, more time for this body of Christ to bake in the oven. I wouldn't be too worried about I know all my rapture friends, well, we don't know. Well, we may not know the time or the season, but I can tell you this as someone who loves to cook as a hobby, the bread ain't ready. We're a little doughy. Yeah, like the Pillsbury Doughboy. We're not in shape. Now, what I want you to consider before this Passover is to anticipate you need to change the way you think. And you need to get out of that second day wineskin of defeat and start mentally confessing and thinking in third day victories and anticipate your victories in advance. Don't let your past experiences of failure stop you legalistically from anticipating the victory. Just simply with childlike faith, I don't know how it's going to go down, but I'm anticipating victory. We talked about Solomon on Wednesday night. Well, Solomon made offerings on the high places, which was pagan. His father, David, did not do offerings on the high place. But yet, he trusted Solomon to build the temple because he saw his heart. So don't get all legalistic saying, well, they won't use Solomon because he was at the high place. God actually came to Solomon at the high place. And gave him a dream and said to him, ask what you want. So we, we have got to be flowing in what God is doing and we need to anticipate victories. And you need to receive and register your victories in the court of heaven before you go out on the assignment. Before you go out on the assignment, you need to take time, go into the courts of heaven, and say, Righteous judge, is this what you would have me do at this time? And if he says no, then wait. If he says yes, say, Lord, go into your books and where it is written for this assignment, what is it you would have me decree and declare? And then decree and declare it. But go to the courts first. Don't be childish and run off and do whatever the heck you want and then ask the Lord to bless you after you created your own plan. Jesus said it best in Matthew 6 and 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, 
and all these things shall be added unto you. Seeking first the kingdom means that you're focused on a behavioral habit and pattern of going into the courts before you go to action. Have a new fresh anointing to say I'm going to learn his ways of righteousness. If Jesus had to be immersed into his priesthood to fulfill righteousness, then we need to follow righteousness. And that's what it says here, his righteousness, and then all other things. Don't seek his hand. Don't seek the provision. Don't think on the lack of provision or the lack of anything. If he asked you to do it, you spoke it out in the courts, start the journey by faith. If you don't like taking risks, you are in the wrong religion. And the just shall live by risk, which is called faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, not seen. You are going to have to get out of the boat and walk on the water. Quit trying to protect yourself. Well, you don't know how many times I drowned. No, and I don't want to hear about it. Learn to walk. Matthew 6, 9 through 11. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Boy, that's a familiar prayer. If you watch movies at all, anytime someone gets in trouble because of Catholicism, everybody can quote that prayer. The Catholics made that prayer famous. You know what that prayer is? The courts of heaven. Come on. Well, I'm not sure about this courts of heaven. Then you don't like this prayer either. Because when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, he didn't use the term courts in heaven, but he did say, Our Father who art where? Where do you think the courts is? Who's the righteous judge? Well, there you go. So what do you have to do? Hollow his name. Without honor, there's no, there's no entrance into the court. Oh, come on. You get arrested tonight and you have to go down there to Jay, to the court. You better go when you get down there and say your honor. You may be real nice and southern and go, ma'am, sir, ain't going to cut it. It's your honor. You don't say your honor, you just doubled or tripled the fine, or you're going to end up spending the night until you figure it out. See, a lot of these patterns are just normal, but you need to say, we honor your name, Lord, and we ask that your kingdom alignment come on earth as it is written in the books of heaven. This is not new. This is just a revelation. Praise God that our dear friend Robert Henderson and others have, have got in order to slow us down to have us actually pray before we take action. And when it says, give us our daily bread, your provision is only promised for today, but God wants you to have expectation for abundance to come. 
But if you get hung up on the amount of power and provision and health that you get and you get discouraged that you, if you can't praise him for the day that he's given it to you, then you're never going to see tomorrow's prosperity. Boy, this is some good preaching here. I think I'm going to get the tape. If you want more power, flood your garage and invite your friends over. I just realized I have a mikvah garage. I have cars now that are kings and priests. Praise God. Matthew 6, 12 and 13. And forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the what? That's what this is all about. We, you know, if you're going to operate in the kingdom, we need to activate the kings. Not the apostles. The apostles are the executive management team. The kings are like CEOs and presidents in a business structure in the West. The evangelists are like marketing managers. And the pastors are teachers, general managers. And what most of us, we stop in the governmental office of pastor and you wonder why the pastor is not transferring the wealth. He has no authority to do so. He doesn't even understand how it works. I know where this is going. And a lot of people aren't going to like me. I'll probably end up writing a book on this. And it's okay. Because what I'm telling you is biblical and it's right. And the reason I'm telling you is because the way we're doing it isn't working. So it's time to change. Matthew 6, 14, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. What's the key to the court? The key to going in the court is to make sure before you go to court, you anticipate all accusations that will taint your case or cut you off. So the key is before you go to court, you have to cut off the accuser of the brethren, the antidecos that puts you in the box. You anticipate it. You do homework. What is he going to say about us to cancel so that we cannot receive the paperwork or the power or the authority or the decree to get what we need supernaturally from heaven to earth? Where is he going to come? That's why we cleanse our bloodlines all the way back to the garden so that the accuser of the brethren, Satan himself, in the courts, there's a gag order and he cannot speak against us. But if we, don't, if we, if we go in with offenses or we choose to be upset with anybody, he uses us against us and he cancels our words in the court. And we don't get the result. So just say this to your neighbor, offense is a fence that keeps my blessing from entering into my property. Take the fence down.
Matthew 7 and 7 through 9. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if he has a son and asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, and he will give him a serpent. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who knows who is in heaven, in the courts, the righteous judge, give good things to those who you got to ask. You have the Holy Spirit to inspire you to tell you what to ask for before you go to the courts. You need to pray in tongues and you need to pray in the Spirit and you need to fast and pray and get yourself ready and ask the Lord for visions and dreams, words of knowledge, confirmed by the prophets in the fivefold ministry and confirmed by the teachers, confirmed and confirmed, and then go into the courts because then you know what you're asking for. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So one of the things that our ministry over the last 29 years has found is a key to release the transfer of wealth, power, and authority and to bring great commission, end time power into the ministry. I'm speaking about provision. I'm speaking about Holy Spirit power, raising the dead, blind eye see, hearing all of that has to do with that we understand that we are called when the Holy Spirit comes with power in Acts 1 and 8 to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to all ends of the earth. So on purpose, Kurt Landry Ministries, House of David, my olive tree is a witness first in that order chronologically because we are fulfilling prophecy. Why? Because it says here in the New Testament, it says that for this is the law and the prophets, because God did not annul the law, he fulfilled it, and he will fulfill every prophetic word, every dot and tittle, he'll jot and tittle, he'll fulfill it, and he will not be a man that he should lie. He is looking for kings and priests that understand how important it is to fulfill the family legacy to fulfill the family's name because his name is our name and our name is his name and every knee shall bow to his name and we need to care about the reputation of our God and his authority because we're all about it because we're in the family business we are co-heirs we're not blessing Israel to be blessed. We're blessing Israel to fulfill His Word. And are we blessed? Yes. But that's not the motivation. The motivation is, Lord, make me a voice so that Your Word might be fulfilled. It's never been about money. It's never been about fame. It's never been about any of that. It's always been about the relationship. Father, if there's any way we can help you and to be a part of fulfilling what you said through your prophets, we want to be a part. And that's it. That's why the ministry has succeeded. The Lord knows that's our heart. If you're going to be a king and priest, you have to think like a king and priest.
Matthew 7 and 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I liken him to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Quite simply, as kings, if you ask the Lord for the authority, then we have to be doers of the faith, not just hearers only. You have to do something. And a lot of what you're going to start wanting to do, you're not going to have the provision for, but you're going to have to trust the Lord with your faith to crawl, walk, run. But you, might, you need to go to the courts first after you've had the vision. Kings and priests operate in a five-fold ministry with apostolic government as heads of the seven mountains of influence. The seven mountains of influence, which I know there's many of you are new, and there's great teaching on the seven mountains of influence through Lance Wallnow and others. I'm not here to teach that. What I'm saying to you is that in order to take the seven mountains of influence, there's going to be, have to be an apostolic five-fold covenant relationship with kings and priests operating together in order to take the mountains at the level I'm speaking out. And I'm talking about taking billions and billions of dollars into exponential growth categories that actually bring disruptive technologies to pass through the kingdom believers. That's where the transfer of wealth is. It's through disruptive technologies. Now, some of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about research it and figure out what I'm saying, but I'm saying, thus say the Lord, that's where the wealth is. It's not in Publishers Clearinghouse. When the Lord says, I'm going to release witty inventions, all witty inventions disrupt technologies. Amen? Kings and priests operate in the fivefold ministry with apostolic government as heads of the seven mountains of influence. The Lord wants to, listen, equip, provide, and supply through the fivefold ministry to teach us how to actually circumvent the enemy to drive him out of the seven mountains of influence. The days of throwing all your venture capital resource into proof of concept and, and uh, marketing and all those, those days are over in the bigger scheme of things because what happens is the enemy will drain your time and your finances in the process of doing, God's doing a quick work. I'm not saying you're not going to have to have proof, proof of concept and marketing plans. Yes. But what I'm saying is those who will be willing to take their ministries and their businesses into the courts of heaven will avoid most of the battles that we face trying to get venture capital money. And most venture capital money in business will take the majority of your profit unless they are arrested because they are greedy and they're usually crooks. So who cares if you develop something and the venture capitalist guys steal it all? 
So you need to learn how to be able to take your finances and your idea into the courts of heaven and sanctify it because, as Robert has taught us out of Hebrews, your money speaks on your behalf. Your money needs to be speaking on behalf of this project. It needs to be speaking positively. There needs to be no offense. The blood of Jesus needs to be there. You need to sanctify that money with a special offering at Passover, special offering at Pentecost, special offering at Tabernacles. You need to be paying 2.5% Teruma to your teacher. You need to be bringing alms in and not let see your right hand know what your left hand is doing. You need to bring offerings whenever the Lord speaks. Sanctify your money and the venture capitalists and nobody else will steal it. That's called biblical finance 101. You do what I just said and you'll have more profit to be able to invest and you don't do it and basically your ideas will be stolen. Now, I'm just giving you business history 101. <clears throat> In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it said, He gave himself some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of... Now, please hear this. For the work of... It's not in your notes. But for the work of what? For the work of the ministry... Go ahead and let's go ahead and put that up if if you can. Put up Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. If you get your binoculars out, I want you to see this. Come on, say I'm changing. And I know what I'm bringing to the body of Christ is a disruptive technology message. I know I'm not making friends with this. I didn't get in, in ministry to make friends. I got in ministry to lay my life down for the one who laid his life down for me. Because we don't transfer this wealth, there's literally millions and billions of people going to hell. And they don't have to if we transfer the wealth and we use it properly, especially now with social media, why we have this window, we could leave the whole, lead the whole world to the Lord right now if we were in unity. And this is about souls. I've seen too much compromise in business and in the body of Christ. Well, he's my friend, so I'm not going to do this. Well, fine. Now listen to this. And he himself gave some. Who, who did it? God gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Okay? That's the government inside the church. That's the body of Christ. Now let's go to the next verse. For the equipping of the saints for the work of what? For the work where? For the edifying of who? See, we didn't realize that we would have to take that same government and modify the way we teach it and disciple it because I can tell you that if you go into the media ministry in Hollywood, that doesn't work. If you're going to send apostles into Hollywood and into New York... 
and into Washington, D.C. and the government. They're going to have to take their game up way higher than this. They're going to have to have this undergirt them as a cornerstone. Absolutely. But how does, let's go back to these other scriptures. How does an apostle who's not in the media mountain, not in the government mountain, how does a prophet, how do these, how do these guys understand what that man and woman are going through? They don't. Unless you have a five-fold government that's in business. And there are those people. But they're not widely recognized. They're scattered amongst the globe. And God is gathering them. Right now they look at themselves, no, I'm just the CEO of this. This is what I do. And, and the Lord's going to arrest them with an apostolic anointing. That's where this is going. I'm, I already know because I'm watching it happen. It's already happening. What do you think happened to Donald Trump? Donald Trump is the head apostolic leader of the United States. He doesn't know it. Wouldn't have a clue. But he was called to be the apostolic leader before he was in his mother's womb. How much more powerful would it have been if he would have been raised up in, in the foundation of this and then sent into it? It wasn't because we had no way of doing it. The reason we voted for people like Ted Cruz and all these other guys and came against Trump because we wanted our president to be the pastor of the United States of America. We didn't want a king priest. Who would ever question if Donald Trump is not a king and a priest? My gosh, the guy's a billionaire and a crazy left his billionaire lifestyle to go be an apostle over this nation and have the tar beat out of them and lose a bunch of money. That's not normal. That's God. Like him or not, God's using him. Come on now. King Cyrus, what was he? He, he didn't say King Cyrus. He said, my shepherd. Go into Isaiah 44 and 45. This is my chosen anointed one, my shepherd. So he took a king and made him a priest. A king priest. Is this helping anyone? I know this is going to have to stretch you and you're going to have to listen to this. And you can send your cards and letters and it's fine because I won't read them. Because I know what I'm talking about and I know what I've seen in the spirit and it's already going to happen. So you might as well go ahead and sign up and get in the club. So the fivefold ministry is to maintain the spiritual authority, accountability for the priest side of the king. But the king priest has to feel welcome in an apostolic network or a congregation. 
and not feel like he or she is there just because the only reason you care that I'm here is because when you have problems, I write you checks. Because that's how the majority of them feel. The only time I hear from you is when you need more money. For some building project that I don't have a clue why you even think it's going to work. Do you know how crazy it is for you to be a CEO of a company and you're sitting here, you're the CEO of Chick-fil-A and you're trying to make Chick-fil-A work, which it is and it's doing like that, and you're open all these days of the week and you do all this and you want to give money to somebody who has a business that's open a couple hours on Wednesday and a couple hours on Sunday. And you want me to do what and spend millions of dollars to build what for like four hours a week? That's crazy to King Priest. Well, it's for God. Well, that's great, but I don't get it. Why do you guys get to get all your bills paid and you work two days a week? And all my investment real estate has to be open seven days a week and we're having a huff, tough time making it. Do you see the difference? But everyone knows we're supposed to support the church. Well, not everybody of this generation that's coming believes that anymore. That's why it's going down. We just need to understand that this is the foundation of the priest side, but we have to build in accommodation for the king. Is this helping anyone? Come on, some of you are kings out there right now. And you say, well, I'm going to be silent because my wife's sitting next to me. I don't want to come in agreement with her. You know you agree with me. Kings are conquerors. Priests have a tendency to have a heart to minister to those who have been conquered. Come on, I'm talking in general terms. But a king wants to conquer. And when you have a king who is always rescuing other people, they're not fulfilling their call because in their DNA they have conquer inside. Oh, come on, let's go. Go back to my message, if you would. Romans 8 and 37. Yet in all things, see, you have this DNA in you. Yet in all things, we are what? More than conquerors through him who loved us. You know, one of the reasons people are leaving the church is because they're not conquering anything. You have DNA in you. The Holy Spirit in you wants some conquering. It wants some victory. It wants to go and run a victory lap. Can I say it this way? If you're a conqueror, what do you do? You don't just destroy, you rebuild. We have spent so much time in spiritual warfare binding and loosing and cursing and cutting things off that we have spent very little time in the courts building. We've done a great job of destroying the enemy, but we have done a very poor job of building his kingdom. And see, when you're a conqueror, you build. Conquerors are builders. Conquerors are developers. Conquerors are all about saying, and God created me in his image that I might have dominion. 
The conquering side of the anointing in you wants to take dominion. It wants to win. It wants to build. It wants to develop. It wants to quit focusing on what the enemy is doing. And let's just say, listen, it's a, the enemy has bad ideas. We have good ideas. Let's put good ideas out before the bad and let the people choose. I'm getting ready to close. The order of king and priest of Melchizedek are to use their God-given authority, callings, and giftings to subdue kingdoms, to truly reign in the kingdom of heaven as, as heavenly courts assigned, overcoming more than conquerors, end-time remnant warriors. Can I say it this way? People who are king priests and have an anointing, they will go into the courts and imagine and believe and ask God much more for somebody who is not purposed with that kind of DNA. The church has ignored them for years. But the Lord's bringing them back. And he's bringing you into it. And for the ones that are into it already, he's bringing us into a new season. He's creating a network all over the world of kings and priests. He's creating a king and priest apostolic network that will go after the nations. If you look at Africa, please just look at the history. Leading to people to the Lord is not enough. You have to teach them how to take dominion and change their governments and their situations into righteousness. Otherwise, it just cycles through and the believers die or are persecuted and the evil just take it back and come back seven times worse, which is happening in Africa right now. But if you would have brought this message and actually trained them how to take the seven mountains, they would get out from under the dictators and the evil regime that rape, kill, and plunge, and plunder them. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities and heavenly hosts of dark places. Romans 8 and 29, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be confirmed, to be, I'm sorry, to be conformed into the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn of many brethren. Where did the firstborn start? He broke his mother's womb and Mary through water. He came into his priesthood with his cousin John through water. He's our king priest. And we are his brethren. And thus saith the Lord, he is gathering his sheep. You've heard me refer to the spotted sheep. He is gathering his sheep and his sheep nations in biblical year 5779. And the first phase of this gathering, the Lord says, I will expose my wolves between now and tabernacles. Look what's happening in Washington. Is this helping anyone? 
You need to be in sync with God. God is exposing your enemies that are coming against you. The people who have robbed you, cheated you, the people who have come against you, the Lord is removing them. It's called judgment. But he's doing it for you because it's justice. It's justice for you, but in the courts it's the judge saying, stop it, don't do it anymore. He sends his angels to bind them and cast them out of your life so they can't have the influence. Luke 10 and 19, behold, I give you what? Authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Kings and priests understand that nothing can hurt them because they have eternal life through Christ Jesus. You cannot die. Don't threaten to kill you or me. We have eternal life. They can't hurt you. Now, this is the biblical year of our inheritance. 5779. Inheritance is a judgment. I judge on behalf of this person to receive this inheritance. It has to be signed off. Just because there's a will, it has to go to probate and it has to be signed, and then the property is released. Hello? So we need to understand that you do not gain an inheritance when you die. You gain an inheritance when the testator dies. I have a few questions. Are you anticipating an inheritance this Passover? Are you anticipating to receive it? Are you anticipating to activate it? And are you anticipating and have plans to put it to work for the kingdom? Because you need to start journaling and writing these things down and taking it into the courts so that before we get to that Passover table and before you get into the water, you know exactly what to ask for at that table and you know exactly what to receive in the water. <coughs> Colossians 1.24 I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, for you. This is Paul speaking. Uh, he says, so I, I rejoice in my sufferings for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is the lack of the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. What's Paul talking about? I am suffering and I'm excited about it because I'm excited for what you're learning through my suffering. Let me say it another way. You guys are so dysfunctional that I have to control my offense by not wanting to leave you, but I rejoice in the suffering because God loves you more than I do. And God put such value on you, body of Christ, that I'm willing to suffer in your dysfunction. Come on. And I'm not going to let the fact that the perfect people are not sent to my assignment 
and I'm going to quit complaining about them, and I'm going to work with the team the Lord's given me. I'm not talking about tolerating sin and witchcraft. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about in a healthy environment. That's why he says in 1 Corinthians 1.27, but God chooses the foolish things of the world to do what? To shame the wise. That's disruptive technology. How did those people with just a high school diploma go into their garage and invent something that our people from Harvard and Yale and everything else couldn't figure out and they figured it out in the garage with an erector set? It confounds the wise. And it goes on to say God chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. That's God's nature. But what Paul is saying here is that I'm suffering to fill up in my flesh what is lacking of the afflictions of Christ. I, I, am, I am drawing closer to how much he loved me by realizing how much love I have to extend to you and your dysfunction that exposes my dysfunction. But I realize the greater good of your dysfunction and my dysfunction, steel sharpening steel, is to prepare me because the Word says when He appears, I shall be like. And I'd rather get it rubbed off now than when I'm standing before Him. And He's using you, Brother Sandpaper, to rub it off. So that's why I'm rubbing back at you so we can have a nice big sawdust party praise God look at your neighbor and say neighbor looks like you could use a grinder <laughs> see not everyone just needs some light fine sanding nobody Colossians 3 17 and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God our Father through Him. So what's the key? King and priest cannot afford to be taken out of the mode of being thankful. Even when things don't work out because the idiots that you're working with blow it. At least you get what I say, right? If you don't take an offense and you choose to bless them, the Lord will restore seven times and you'll be glad they made the mistake. It's only delayed. Is this helping? If you're going to be a king and priest, you can't let temporary circumstances change your goal of your plan. You have to stay, in, you're in it. Look at your neighbor, say, I'm in it for the long haul. Is this helping anyone? Oh, I got more pages here than I know, so I lied that I was stopping. Okay. We'll finish next week. You can call it, you know. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13. I'll speed it up. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you. And are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace amongst yourselves. Now 
We exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, and be patient with all. Say, be patient with all. Say, kings and priests are patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourself and for all. Rejoice always. Say, rejoice always. always. Say, pray without ceasing. And in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God. Kings and priests, do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecy. Kings and priests, test all things. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. This is my creed. I decree it in the courts. I am a king and priest according to Melchizedek. Thank you, Jesus, for immersing me into your priesthood in Yeshua's name. We seal it and we receive the commissioning of it. Amen. Let's give the Lord a great big hand clap. Hallelujah. 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 At this time, I'm going to have the worship team make their way back up. And at this time, I'm honored and blessed to be able to receive tonight's tithes and offerings. And uh, uh, last Wednesday, I asked people to text to sow to sow, S-O-W, 51555. And I was informed that you, I guess that only works in the United States. And so we had people from other countries that couldn't do it and they wanted to get their blessing. So go ahead and just give that $5 online. Um, praise God. We had a lady from Australia, Melbourne, I think it is Australia. Uh, I, I read your email. I can't think of your name right now. Please forgive me. I know you're watching, but you got saved on Wednesday night. Praise the Lord. And uh, And, but she's the one that said had difficulty bringing the $5 uh, through that text to sew. But anyway, we encourage you to text to sew or give securely online. I want to ask you to consider becoming a partner with Kurt Landry Ministries. I don't want you to take your tithe from House of David if you're a member here, but this would be a great offering and you can become a, a partner with Kurt Landry Ministries for $27 per month. And we have these little folders here that you can get, but you, so, you can also do it online. And I want to share with you why. Um, we have always taken care of Holocaust survivors. When Christy and I first started in ministry, we started in 1989 with bringing our Jewish people back from the Soviet Union back to Israel. And we've always had a heart for that work. And it's hard for me to believe that there's a whole generation now that don't believe in the Holocaust. 
And there's many that don't even, haven't even heard about it. And what people don't understand is that if we forget, it will happen again. And I, I really believe one of the ways our ministry is so blessed, you know, Jesus said it this way. He said, when you do it unto the least of these, my brethren, and we take care of children in Israel, a lot of them, and I praise God, but I want to show you what we did at the Feast of Purim. Now, this gentleman right here, where's Megan? Tell us about when you and mom went into their room, what happened? And um, they live in a space that's, I don't know, mom square footage. She's saying a third of the platform is their little space for both of them. These apartments are designed for usually just one, one person. It's unusual that a couple is still living together, you know, but um, it's like really small. I think one of them sleeps on the couch and one of them sleeps in a recliner. And um, they were just the most beautiful, welcoming people. They wanted to show us pictures of their children and of their families. Um, but he actually fought in the Battle of Stalingrad and has a medal that he actually gave to to um, to Rabbi, he wanted us to have his medal, and he wanted to show his appreciation for all that we have done. It's not us; he wanted the ministry to have this for all that we've done for them that were consistently visiting. Um, he had a need, a personal need, for um, dentures to be replaced and repaired, and had no way of paying for it. And you guys all gave him new teeth. Um, we were able to meet that need on just like a personal level. There's been a couple stories like that in the Holocaust survivors' home where we've been able to just you know, the Lord has blessed us and we've been able to meet those individual needs, but really an incredible, he and his wife are just beautiful. And it was so amazing to see their pictures and to hear their stories and how they, when they made Aliyah to Israel and now, you know, here they are. But because of you guys, they don't feel forgotten. They don't feel abandoned. And more than that, they feel like they matter and that their stories matter. And so we were able to record a lot of their story, and um, I'm hoping we get to release that pretty soon to you all so that you can get a heart um, for them and hear more about kind of where they came from. This takes care of that. We don't have like a plan, like, okay, we take care of this, but not, no. Each case comes, we get the phone call, we pray about it, and we do it. So this is a Purim party. They love this. They're, you know, they're, they're older people. It's like assisted living. They're, they're lonely. And um, so this is their party. I'll show you another picture. See, each one of them gets a, a gift. So for Passover, we're providing them all matzah. The food is all provided for. We provide them Shabbat dinners. And then, of course, they have to have the costumes. Go ahead. That's Christy's boyfriend, the one she's always dancing with. And see, he had to have a special, I can't go into all of it, but he had to have a surgery. You took care of that surgery. Yeah, you can, I mean, this is, this is why we do this. We take care of over 400 Holocaust survivors. These are just a few. And that's why this is the backbone of what we do. We thank you for that. So I just wanted to give you an opportunity. We have new people all the time, and you can become a partner for $2,700 a month. No, I'm sorry, $27 a month. I just did that on purpose. That was stupid and kind of funny for three people. 
but for $27 a month, you can sow a seed in on a monthly basis, and it makes all the difference to the degree that this is what brings the expansion. Christy and I are going to be in Israel in May, and we're looking at some new opportunities. You say, you're already doing so much. doesn't make any difference. We know that when the Lord releases the witty inventions to us, and he will, and we're following this, this, this pattern that I've given you, we've been following for years. And we're going to do more and more and more. Because it's the right thing to do. We're called to do it. We are anointed in all seven mountains to do this. And I'm honored to do it. And is it hard? Yes. And do we have to stay focused on being thankful? Yes. And do we work with a bunch of idiots? Yes. The only difference is I, I will admit it because I'm 63 and it's okay now. When I was 43, oh, yes, they're all the greatest people in the world. You're sitting like this behind your back. <clears throat> Working in the Middle East is very difficult. I can't tell you how difficult. Do not complain about the American government and how it is here. Just start working in Israel and believe me. And that's why you need to pray for the prime minister and pray for their political because it is, ours is tough. Theirs is about 10 times worse. So, but we praise the Lord for all the partners. We love and praise the Lord for all House of David members. Because without you here, without the volunteers and the staff, we've got over 800 people coming for Passover. We can't do it without you. We have a live telecast that goes out twice a week. We need all of you on cameras and sound. We thank you. We appreciate you. We can't do this without you. We're not in a big metroplex where we can have all these professional, you know, and our crew does a great job. And most of them are volunteers. <coughs> they learned how to use cameras here. God's doing this. And we need to be thankful for each other and rejoice for each other. And if you see somebody struggling, pray for them, bless them, help them. Do whatever you can because you're a family. This is a family. And we all have times where we go up and down and not everybody's up. Not everyone's down. Praise God for that. Bless your family. Love your family. Don't talk evil of your family members. See, we're all difficult. We all need a Savior. We all need a relationship with God so that His love will flow through. And don't ever forget, don't ever forget that God so loved the world that he gave his son for you. Amen. Your name is in the book. You're not going to hell. You're going to be glorious in heaven. You're going to rule and reign for a thousand years in the new Jerusalem. You get to pray for people now in Jesus' name and they get healed. You get to enjoy signs and wonders and miracles. You need, to, you need to feel the presence of God come on you like it did tonight. 
It's a great time to be alive. And God is making the body of Christ great again. And the reason he's doing it is he is going to connect the fivefold government and the king priest revelation together. And we will become the glorious throne and the bride of Christ. Both king and priest manifesting his glory in Yeshua's name. Let's all stand as we go out and worship. Wasn't the worship great tonight? Wonderful. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Father God, I ask that you bless the seed, the hardworking seed that each one is sowing generously. And Lord, on behalf of our brothers and sisters, I say to you, thank you so much. Thank you for being a voice that had not happened again. Thank you for not remaining silent. Thank you for loving our God and loving his people. Thank you for loving all the people of the earth. And may the Lord bless and multiply all the, the work of your hands and multiply your seed. And may the Lord fulfill your dreams and your desires. And the Lord says to you, you haven't missed it. You won't miss it. The Lord says, embrace what I'm doing in you as a king priest. The Lord says, release tonight, before you bring your offering down, release any disappointment or problems. Just choose to say, Lord, I'm not going to carry it and I'm not going to try to fix it. I just know that you're the good Abba and you'll fix it. Even that most impossible situation with that most impossible person, the Lord's going to fix it. I'm prophesying to you. This is thus saith the Lord. The Lord's saying, if you'll leave it at the cross, I'll fix it tonight. Say, I leave it. I'm leaving it. Say, I don't feel it, but I'm leaving it. It's not how you feel. It's what he says. If you'll forgive it, he'll forgive it. Say, Lord, I forgive it. I don't feel it. It's a choice. But in my heart and in my mind, that which I know of you, Lord, I trust you without any feeling. I choose to forgive. I'm forgiven. They're forgiven. And the, bre the accuser of the brethren cannot use this relationship against me anymore. It's over tonight. I sow this seed into good soil and full forgiveness knowing that I'll have a hundredfold return but I sow it Lord because I love you and I love your kingdom and I'm humbled and honored that you call me a king priest but I'm most honored that I'm your child Shabbat shalom. 
Thank you for listening to this message from the One New Man Network. For more information, please visit us at theonenewman.com.